And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. you may be seated this morning. We're glad that you chose to worship with us today. Uh, my name is John, and I am blessed to be the pastor here. For those of that maybe don't know me, I want to invite you to find your way, whether that's on your device or a printed Bible, to Malachi chapter number 2. Malachi chapter number 2. And as you find your way there, just want to give a quick announcement before we get into our message today. As uh, we have become increasingly aware, at least I should say I have been increasingly aware the last few months in our board meetings. We meet uh, pretty much every second Tuesday of the month. And the last few months we've had a lot of conversations about our sound system and how maybe it's not so great. And the truth is, I'm up here. I don't know how I sound out there, but uh, it's been... Uh, increasingly aware that it's hard to understand. And so we, uh, the board, have been discussing this for a few months, and back in June when we met, uh, they made a decision, voted unanimously, to buy a new sound system. And so I'm excited about that. Are you guys excited about that? And so, yeah. So I, uh, since we, you know, I sent an email out and sent a letter out, and, and most, a lot of you already know that, and through that process, all I keep hearing is, I thought it was only me that couldn't hear, and I was about to go buy hearing aid. And so I've been telling people, since you are saving the money for a hearing aid, you could just give that to the church to pay for the new sound system, right? But uh, I do want to say that uh, this, the sound system is like $115,000. And what I want to say is thank you to you, church. You have been faithful to give to the Lord. You've been the opposite of what we're going to look at next week in Malachi chapter 3 where they were robbing God of their tithes and offerings, and you have been faithful to that. And because of your faithfulness and because of God's goodness, we have the money in the bank, no problem just to make the payment and, and pay for that. So thank you for your faithfulness, but, but glory goes to God, doesn't it? And uh, so, But in, in light of that, if you want to help offset the cost, feel free to give. You save money from hearing aids, you can give, but... Uh, if you want to give however you normally give online or with an offering envelope, you just put on their sound system and we'll figure out where that is going, okay? But again, uh, we're hoping, praying that we can have that installed by either the end of the summer or the first of fall, but that's all dependent on all of the shipping and all that kind of stuff. So today we're back in our series, Guarded, okay? And so this has been probably um, the most disjointed series we've ever done because I preached and then I left to Kenya. Thank God, uh, Sean Williford and Chris Kirkendall continued the series. But then we had our 4th of July service, and what a great service that was, celebrating our freedom as Americans, but our freedom in Christ. Uh, and then last week, what a great service to celebrate our students at camp. Didn't our, didn't our students do a great job? They did just a great job, and Carlos did a great job, and so I'm thankful for that. And so we're going to jump back in, and we're going to spend the next... This week and next week, uh, kind of concluding this series. And since it's kind of been a while since we've been in Malachi, let me just give you a quick review. Uh, kind of the, the context, if you will, that the Israelites had come back from Babylonian captivity. They had been in exile. They've been back in the homeland for quite a while now. The temple has been rebuilt. It's a whole new generation. And this generation, because they were now back home, no longer in exile, the temple has been rebuilt, that their expectation was that now because everything was good, God was going to bring them back to prominence. God was going to bring back, 
their power. God was going to bring back their prestige. All the things that comes with being the people of God. However, when you read all the minor prophets, that's not what was going on. And the reason that was not going on is because the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the, the chosen people, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, the, the covenant, if I could give you the most simple terms, was this. If you live, God told the nation of Israel, if you will live in obedience to my commands, I'll bless you. And I will bless you so much that all the other nations will say, I want that God. If you don't live in obedience, I'm going to curse you. And so the nation of Israel most oftentimes, and as we've seen in Malachi, were not living in obedience. We have a new generation with great expectations, but the, this generation did the same thing that their fathers before them did. And so what we've seen in Malachi is that they question God. God, do you even love us? And the reason they were questioning God is because they began to compare their blessings with the other nation's blessings. The other nations were not living in covenant with God. And so it wasn't a fair comparison. But it led them to distrust God. It led them to believe God didn't love them, and they asked these questions. Then Sean talked about the fact that they were compromising in their worship, that they were bringing sacrifices to God that were not honoring to God. They were supposed to bring the, the best, the spotless. Because the spotless lamb that they would sacrifice was always going to point to the spotless lamb, Jesus, who was our sacrifice. And so they even said in the text there, you wouldn't even bring these animals to your own governors. Why would you bring them to God? And so they began to compromise in their worship, in their sacrifices. They were complacent. Chris Kirkendall was so excited that I allowed him to preach the text on Father's Day about men being unfaithful to their wives. He was so excited that was his text. But the reality is, is that we, when we are living in relationship, we are in a covenant relationship in marriage. And if we choose not to be faithful in our marriage, the reality is we are choosing not to be faithful to God. And so we pointed out to the fact that this faithlessness or this being unfaithful in marriage was a result of not completely trusting God. And so today what we're going to look at is we're going to really focus on one verse, and that is in Malachi 2 verse 17. We're going to talk about complaining. Now, one of the verses that we've, I think, quoted just about every Sunday is found in Isaiah, because I think it kind of gives the spirit of what is happening in Malachi, really probably what's happening in most all the Old Testament minor prophets. And here's what Elijah, or excuse me, Isaiah said. Therefore, this is Isaiah 29, 13. Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths, they honor me with their lips. But, but they have removed their hearts far from me. And the warning for us, the warning for the people as Malachi writes this is, is our worship become complacent, apathetic, ritual, a habit? And that how, as, as the Proverbs tells us, guard, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. And so the, the warning for us as we look at these texts is to say, do I come into this building with other motives 
than a clean and pure heart to worship God. And that's a little bit difficult sometimes to answer, isn't it? That's what David prayed. Lord, search me and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Because the, the, the spirit behind David's prayer was, if you will reveal sin in my life, I will confess it. And so as we look to Scripture, as we always should, when we look to Scripture, we should let it be a mirror to us. What does it reflect of my heart? So today we want to guard against complaining. All right, Malachi 2, verse 17. We're going to really just focus on this verse uh, this morning. And here's what it says. You have wearied the Lord with your words. And every parent in the room understands completely what he's saying, right? You have wearied me with your words. And you say, so the response to God saying, you have wearied me with your words, nation of Israel, the response, in what way have we wearied him? And then it goes on to say, everyone who does, this is what the Israelites were saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. And he delights in them. Again, they're comparing to non-Jewish people. And they're saying, those people who are not the chosen people, God, you like them, you bless them. And look at the last phrase of this verse. It's a pretty dangerous phrase. They're questioning God. Well, where is the God of justice? Can I tell you right now what the nation of Israel should not have been praying was for justice? What every person today in this room should not pray for is God to be just to us. Because the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is it's death. That's what I deserve. I do not want God's justice in my life. What the nation of Israel should have been asking for was mercy. But God, who is rich in his mercy toward us, because of his great love toward me, while I was dead in my trespasses and sins, made me alive together with Christ. For by grace, I've been saved. I don't want the justice of God in my life. I want the mercy of God on my life. And so the Israelites complain. Now, I know there's probably not much application for a church because I've never known anyone in church to ever complain. Have you, right? Now, let's just be honest. Let me be honest. My nature is to like things the way I want them. Can I get an amen? And when they don't go the way I want them, you know what I normally do? I pray in the spirit of the Lord. No, I, I complain. I gripe. And then the spirit of the Lord slaps me across the face, right? So they ask the question, God, where are you? Why aren't you blessing us? The, re the easy answer is because they were not living in obedience, okay? Where's your justice, God? There's the wrong question, but they ask the question. And God's response, we're going to take time to read of it. He answers them in the first five verses of chapter 3. And it's an interesting answer because his answer is pretty simple. And he, he talks about two messengers. In verse number 1 of chapter 3, he says, I'm going to send a messenger, and he's going to prepare the way of the Lord. Well, if you go to the end of the book, in, in Malachi chapter 4, it gives way more detail about 
who this messenger is. They will come in the spirit of Elijah. So we understand this first messenger that God is answering the question with is, I'm going to send John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the fulfillment. Because remember what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus walking? He pointed. I think he pointed. Maybe he didn't. He pointed and said, look, behold, it's the Lamb of God. The one who will take away the sins of the world. He was the forerunner, John the Baptist. And so there's a prophecy happening here. In his answer of my justice, God says, hold on. I'm going to send John the Baptist, and he's going to point to what it references in verse number one as the messenger of the covenant. So who do you suppose in verse number one of chapter three, if the first messenger who's preparing the way of the Lord, who do you suppose the second messenger God is answering the question with, the messenger of the covenant? Who do you suppose he's talking about? You can say it out loud. Jesus. And that Jesus will come. And if you read the rest of those five verses, and if you read in Malachi chapter 4, mostly he's talking about the second coming of Christ. When Jesus will make all things new. When Jesus will be the righteous judge who will separate the wheat from the tares, who will separate the goat from the lambs, who will separate the, the righteous and the unrighteous. There will be a day when everything will be made right. So we look to that day. We just sang about that day. But then also we understand that the justice of God was fulfilled the first time Jesus came. And it was fulfilled on the cross. Because of the cross, I don't get what I deserve. I get heaven. I get forgiveness of sins. I get a home in heaven. Aren't you thankful for the mercy of God? And so what we're saying here is just like we sing about it. When, when life gets difficult, when there is suffering, when there's trials, when there's persecution, when there's struggle, who do we look to? We look to the messenger of the covenant, Jesus. And because of Jesus, Christ is he's enough. He's enough for me. That God in the flesh, Jesus, came to the earth. He became Emmanuel, God with us. So that I can quote scripture that says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I can quote scripture that says that I am going to be an overcomer. Because Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave, I too will overcome death, hell, and the grave. And so even in my suffering, Jesus is still king. Do you believe that? And so we can get through because we have Christ. And I often say to us as a church that I believe the greatest tool you have for the kingdom of God is your personal story. And it's possible, just think for a moment, that it's possible that when we go through struggles, that God may want to use our struggles to help someone through their struggles. When we can rest in Christ, then we can be an example and we can tell people, look what God has done in my life. I got through this mess, and my mess is now his message. 
My story is for his glory. My test is his testimony, right? We can, we can share that. And so what I want to do today is I'm going to invite Sean Rice, if he would come on up to the stage. And Sean uh, has been a member of Hallmark since 2013. And uh, I've often met with Sean, and especially the last year or so, we've gotten together quite often talking about how God worked in his life. Uh, Sean is a, a double-leg amputee. Sean's been through a lot of health issues, a lot of problems, and a lot of struggles, and a lot of just junk, right? <laughs> and every Something. time I meet with Sean, you know, I, I have the spiritual gift of encouragement, but when I meet with Sean, you know who's encouraged? It's me. And I see the Spirit of God resting on him because even in suffering, even in trials, his spirit just says Christ is enough. And so I've asked him, he, he's recently wrote a book, and I read it, then we met a couple more times talking about it, and I just said, you got to share this story with our church. And although he has an opportunity, like we just read about, to complain, I've never heard him complain. Because for him, what we sing about is a reality. Christ has been enough. And so would you welcome Sean to the stage? And we're going to take a seat and interview you. So as I said, uh, his book is out there. You can, you can buy it uh, in the lobby. He'll be out there to, to autograph it, I guess, for yeah, you. And um, so I appreciate you, Sean, being willing to You're just welcome. come up and share your story. Uh, and so kind of a lot of you don't maybe know Sean, you haven't met Sean, it, it speaks to the reality of a church this size, that there's no way for you to know everybody, and so what I, that's why we put such an importance and talk about connect groups, because you need someone to do life together, and so you need to be plugged into a connect group, there's no way you're going to know everybody in the room, and they're going to be able to pray for you and help you, so I would encourage you uh, to get in a connect group, but could you just share, Sean, a little bit about I think your story of how you got to Hallmark was pretty cool. Could you just kind of share how you even got introduced to Hallmark? Well, uh, I, uh, I was living with my sister when I had my amputations. And uh, my physical therapist told me I had to get my bo upper body strength up to, to be able to walk again. So one of the exercises that uh, I chose to do was just push my wheelchair and I had to find a safe place. And, uh, I came to the church and I just did laps around the church. That was my my main form of exercise. And uh, through that, I met uh, Brandon Adams. Uh, he was a groundskeeper at that time. And uh, we built a relationship and uh, he would bring me water and got to know him. And uh, I met your dad. And, uh, he also invited me inside the church to use the gym to to ride my wheelchair in, so uh, that's how I, I met people, and then when I first visited, I, I realized there was a, a member, uh, Jim Clark, uh, who was here that I knew, and uh, that was kind of the impetus for me to become a member. Awesome, thank you, and if, in case you don't know, Brandon Adams was, uh, like you said, kind of maintenance groundskeeper. I think at the time he might have been 19 years old. He was just a punk kid, all right? So, <laughs> but uh, they, they later, him and Rachel got married. They went to Kenya for a while. Now they live in Ohio. But just uh, the point here is that 
uh, as scripture says, when you give a cup of cold water, it's in the name of Christ. And you never know what impact that might have on somebody's, on somebody's life. And so um, I guess the question I often have asked you and, and kind of want to ask in front of everybody is with all the, the difficulties you've been through. Like even, so even yesterday we were going to meet and kind of go over this again. And he calls and said, hey, somebody just ran into my car. He just got in a car wreck trying to get here. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay. So the question is in all of this that you've been through, have you ever felt like you've been angry at God or blamed God or, or maybe just questioned God? How, if, you, if you might just kind of explain that a little bit. Uh, well, uh, I never was angry with God. I, I, I did question God. I, I asked why would I be going through the things that I, I, I go through, uh, the, the physical things, the uh, uh, emotional things, uh, why does he put this on me? And I, I realized through prayer that God has given me an opportunity to um, share in his glory, uh, to, to give people an opportunity to see him through me. Did you guys catch what he just said? It's, it's not a normal perspective. So let's unpack that for a moment. He said, God gave me an opportunity to share in his glory and to point people to Jesus. Like, I don't, I struggle with that because I'm not sure if I'd respond like, like, isn't it our natural response is not to ask God, the struggle I'm currently in, how are you gonna use this for your glory? Oh, and by the way, thank you for this opportunity to be used of you. That's not, that's not my normal response. My normal attitude is, why? Not how can you use this, but why? Um, and again, as I said, I've gotten to know Sean over the years, and, and it's always this kind of response. Like, God, use my story uh, for your glory. And uh, most... I think the most quoted verse is probably John 3, 16. Most, most people in or out of church can somewhat quote that, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But not everybody knows the context of that verse. Um, and the context is uh, a religious guy named Nicodemus came to Jesus late at night because he didn't want the other religious people to know he was talking to Jesus. And he basically asked, how do you get to heaven? And Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be a spiritual birth. For me, I was 17 years old when I made the decision to be a follower of Jesus. And I'd grown up my church my whole life, but that was the moment that I would say was my spiritual birth. I was born again. And so, Sean, I, I love hearing your story, how God kind of dropped in on you a few times. And mm. could you share, like, when that moment was for you? Well, uh... Growing up, I, you know, we went to church on a few select days, uh, you know, Easter, Christmas, uh, but I wasn't really involved in church. And uh, as I was leaving for college, my mother told me if I was ever in need of something to seek God. And that really resonated with me. And at uh, that point, I started reading the Bible. I, I read the Bible from cover to cover. And I was like uh, the Ethiopian eunuch. I, I was reading, but I really didn't understand what I was reading. And then a gentleman asked me to come to church, and some more men asked me to study the Bible with them. 
and we studied, we studied about sin and how our sin separates us from God. And uh, then we, we studied the word and finally, ultimately, we studied uh, the cross and we studied all aspects of the cross, what Jesus went through physically, emotionally, and uh, he did that for me personally. And I, uh, that really uh, compelled me to become a Christian, and I was about 32 years old when uh, I was baptized and Praise gave my life to Jesus. That's awesome. My, my challenge for you today is have you made that decision? You know, part of the reason that Sean agreed to come up here is, and just as he's already testified, is he wants his life to point people to Jesus. And maybe you're sitting there this morning or you're watching online and, and you've never had a spiritual birth. And the Bible simply says, whoever calls the name of the Lord shall be saved. If we'll place our faith in Jesus, like Sean did at age 32, like I did at age 17, that we can be born again, and we can have Christ not just around us, but in us. Mm. And so I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you know all the struggles you've been through. Do you feel like because of those struggles that you are closer to God? Yes, I'm definitely closer to God. I, uh, God has uh, brought me through just everything that I've I've gone through. I know that he is close to me. He's with me through everything that I experience. You know, I, as our text in Malachi, we didn't read it, but the first five verses talk about uh, the silver, the refiner's fire. And I think of the refiner's fire in, in application for us is that what we church word would be the process of sanctification. And when, when, a, when a silversmith is... Uh, trying to get the impurities of, out of the silver. He'll heat it up. What is known as the dross will come to the top. He skims it off. Process again, process again, until it's pure. And how does the silversmith know when it's pure? Is when he sees a reflection of himself in the silver. The same for us as followers of Jesus, that God uses these trial sometimes to get rid of the impurities mm -hmm. and so this process of becoming more like Christ sometimes takes suffering and so as again as I look at, at Sean's life and how he reacts to certain things that happen I what do I see I see Christ in in him and what should people see in us when we go through struggles Christ in us. And so, you know, Sean, I know that there are a lot of people going through a lot of struggles right now. There's people in our church that potentially are, you know, talking about divorce or their kids are far from God or finances are terrible. They've lost a job or someone in their family has cancer or whatever it might be. What would you say to encourage people today that are maybe going through a struggle right now? Uh, I guess the advice I would give is uh, consider our creator um, because he definitely knows what we are going through 
and he understands every aspect of, of the struggles, the challenges in our lives uh, that would be Aren't you what thankful? Aren't you thankful God is faithful to us? I'm so thankful. That no matter what struggle we go through, God sees it. God's big enough to handle it too. And and what I think this morning, what I'd like to do is to is to acknowledge that there's people in the room, probably lots of people in the room right now, that are going through some difficulty. Maybe you have some hurts. Maybe you have some financial, physical struggles, marriage problems, health problems. And, and what I feel like has been, uh, one of the things I'm thankful for you to come up and share this is I think the church over the years, and I'm talking in the church in general, hasn't done real well sharing one another's burdens. In Colossians, it talks about bear one another burdens. And James, it talks about sharing one another's burdens and the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And there's a benefit in sharing my hurts because it draws other believers into my pain to bring it to the, the Father. And I think um, traditionally in churches, we kind of hide our hurt and we keep secret our problems. And what I say is that we cannot get past the hurt if we don't share it. And, and you understand that we, we are always going to be as sick as our secrets. And that we have to be able to have an opportunity to share, I'm hurting, I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? I'm thankful that scripture talks to all these things. I'm thankful that Jesus said to Paul when he was hurting, my grace is always sufficient. I'm thankful Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm thankful Jesus said that his mercies are new every once in a while. Every morning. That means that this morning when I woke up and found out I have a new problem, God's mercy is sufficient. It's new every morning. That verse goes on to say, great is his faithfulness. I'm thankful the scripture says, cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. And so this morning, maybe you are hurting. Maybe there's just heaviness. And what Sean and I would like to do is just kind of pray over you today. And so I'm just going to ask that as you are hurting, maybe you have a struggle, maybe it's a trial, would you just stand where you're at so we could pray for you? If that's you, just stand right where you're at. As you stand, our church is, is going to pray for you. This is a public acknowledgement that I, I have something in my life that I'm struggling with. And it could be anything. And so as you stand and I'm just going to ask if, if there's an issue, if there's a problem, would you, where you're at right now, as you stand, would, would you give it to God? Sean and I are going to stand as well, and because I have my own issues that I want to give to God. And so would, would you just pray? God, we thank you for this day. Lord, I'm thankful for Sean and his willingness 
to give a story. And Lord, I know his heart is to share it so that people can find Jesus. I know his heart is so that people, the people in the room that are standing right now, that are hurting, that they would reach out to someone, they would reach out to you, they would realize that, Lord, even when we don't see you, you're working. Even when we don't feel like you're working, God, you're working. That truly, God, you are a way maker. That truly, God, you are an overcomer. And so, Lord, I pray that whatever the problem, the hurt, the suffering, the struggle, that those who are standing right now, that you, Lord, you would wrap your arms around them. You have promised that your Holy Spirit indwells us, that the main responsibility of the Holy Spirit is to comfort us, to strengthen us, to encourage us, to bring Scripture to our life, Lord, that could encourage, guide, and lead us. Lord, I pray that as a church, we would not suffer in silence, that we would reach out to our fellow brothers in Christ and we would find help in our time of need. Lord, I'm thankful that the Bible says you are close to those who are crushed in spirit. You come near to those who are brokenhearted, that your faithfulness is great. Lord, we just ask that as we look to Christ and the cross, we would trust that you are enough, that you are faithful, that you are a good, good God, and that your mercies are new every morning. In the next few minutes, if you're standing this morning, I would invite you maybe just to come to the altar right now. Stefan's just going to play. We're not going to sing for a moment. Maybe you weren't standing, but if you would like to talk to God, just come right now. Come to the altar. Just, just step out. Come down and say, God, I, I want to I seek you today. I want to I cast my cares upon you because you care for me. I'm going to lay them at the altar. And I'm going to ask God that you would bring reconciliation. God, that you would search my own heart. God, that you would give me the strength. God, that you would give me the grace. God, that you would provide because you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I'm going to ask the rest of you to stand. Just stand where you're at. Again, the altar is open. Stefan's just going to play for a moment. And then we're just going to worship. We're going to sing that God is a way maker. We're going to sing that, God, we trust you even when we don't see you.